Christ loves his church. Warts and all, okay, and we got them. He loves his church with our weaknesses and our blemishes and our warts. He loves his church. And in his great love, he wants his church to be spiritually strong. In one sense, this age, this life, prior to Jesus coming again, we're going to have weaknesses. We always will. We won't be perfect. Even Paul in Philippians 3 says, Not that I have already arrived or am already perfect, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. So in this life, we will be imperfect. We will have weaknesses. Nevertheless, Jesus loves his church and wants us to be spiritually strong. He wants that which is out of joint to be put back in joint. He wants the muscles that are drooping to be firm and strong in him. He wants his church to be healthy and flourishing and sanctified. In Ephesians 5, it says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Speaking of the cross, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her on the cross. And then a couple of verses later, it says that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish. In other words, beautiful and perfect and strong. Now we have some women here. You might remember your wedding day when you prepared yourself and got yourself ready. I love Ephesians 5, how it says, he will present us to himself. Now certainly we are active in growing and in maturing and in sanctification, but I love how the, the, the responsibility is primarily on Jesus himself to make his bride ready and holy and sanctified and without blemish on that day when he comes again. And he will present us to himself beautiful and glorious. Some of the tools the Lord has given to his people in order to build us up and strengthen us are things called spiritual gifts. We don't want to resist any of his gracious gifts, any one of them that he offers to us. Think about what they're called gifts. They're gifts, not garbage, right? And they're to be received with joy and gratitude and eagerness, not with reluctance and skepticism and caution. And they come from the generous hand of a happy Savior, not the stingy hand of of an aloof despot. So I'm praying that we are open and have a longing to see all that God wants to do for us and in us and through us for his glory. So let's remember what, uh, what spiritual gifts are. Spiritual gifts are not things that God gives us absent of himself. It's not like a gift you would find under the Christmas tree. With the name of, it's to Josh from Alyssa. It's not like that. It's not like a package that the FedEx guy leaves on your doorstep. Spiritual gifts are God giving himself to us in certain ways, in different ways. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 describes spiritual gifts this way. Paul calls them manifestations of the spirit for the common good. 
So they're, they're, they're manifestations of the Spirit. It's ways the Spirit shows himself through individuals for the good of others. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. There's this book written by Don Car- D.A. Carson where he goes through 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. It's a fantastic book, and it's entitled Showing the Spirit. So that's what spiritual gifts are. It's just the Holy Spirit himself comes to us and shows himself through us for the benefit of others. And so the gifts that Paul outlines in chapter 12, whether it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or tongues and interpretation or prophecy or gifts of miracles or gifts of encouragement or helps, administration, etc. These are manifestations of the Holy Spirit or the way the Holy Spirit shows himself through us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I mean, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and shows himself through us. It's a glorious thing. So the Lord loves his church and wants it to be strengthened, wants it to be built up through each one of God's children. The Spirit wants to show himself through you and I to strengthen the faith of other Christians for the glory of God. And I just want to ask the question, is this on your radar? That the Holy Spirit wants to show himself through you for the benefit of others. Because if it's not or if it never has been, or you say, I don't even think I want that. Well, then I would suggest you need to be born again first, okay? Because this is the privilege of being God's children. We are born again by the Spirit of God, indwelt by the Spirit of God, and then he wants to show himself through us for the benefit of others. So if it's not on your radar, if it's maybe just something you've overlooked or you just get busy in life, it's like, hey, I just, God wants it to be on your radar. So we come to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. And there are two gifts in particular that are highlighted. And one of these two gifts, Paul wants to show us is especially desirable. The point of these verses is simply this. In your pursuit of love, greatly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, so that the church is strengthened. Now, I've got to say, if there's ever a group of people, ever a church in the New Testament, or maybe even a church in the history of the, in the, history of the church that needed to hear the caution, you know, Let's not get so excited about spiritual gifts, or you're going a little overboard with that. It would be the church at Corinth. They were a church that was immature. In chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says to them, I couldn't even speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, because they just were, they were immature, but they, the, the gifts were poured out upon them generously. In chapter 1, Paul says, you are lacking no gift. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was said about us? You're not lacking any gift. So the gifts were given to them generously, but they were incredibly immature. And yet, Paul doesn't say cool it on the gifts, but he wants to encourage them in how to use them beneficially for the body, for the rest of the body. Now, 
what specifically in view here regarding the church at Corinth was their elevated view of the gift of tongues. And Paul makes it clear that, that the gift of tongues, apart from interpretation, does not benefit the church as a whole. The, the gift of tongues is a gift. It is not garbage. It's a beautiful gift. But if I got up here and spoke in tongues for 40 minutes, I might be encouraged, but nobody else would be. And the church at Corinth, they had this elevated view of the gift of tongues, of this ecstatic speech where they could communicate with God without reference of the other people there. And they were unconcerned about the rest of the body. It's important to understand Paul does not denounce or belittle the gift of tongues at all. He wants to put it in its proper place, but I would suggest that Paul actually speaks positively throughout the uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and even in these five verses. Notice what he says about tongues. He says, the one who speaks in tongues speaks to God. Now, generally speaking, if that's all you care about, that's a problem. But generally speaking, is it bad to speak to God? That's a really good thing, right? It's good to lift up your voice in thanksgiving and praise and prayer to God. Furthermore, Paul says the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Again, generally speaking, that is a really good thing. I hope you come to church so that you are built up. I hope you open your Bibles and read your Bibles so that you are built up. I hope you go to Bible study and connect with other people so that you can be built up. That's a good, good thing. And finally, Paul stunningly says, I want you all to speak in tongues. This is the Apostle Paul. Sometimes tongues is viewed as this gift that is for nimwits. You know, unintelligent people or something. I don't know. Right? They, well, unintelligent people, they like to babble like fools. Okay? That might be true. But this is Paul saying this. The Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Romans maybe the most doctrinally and theologically rich book in all the Bible, said, I want you all to speak in tongues. So even this group of believers in Corinth who were richly blessed with the spiritual gifts and seriously lacked maturity, Paul does not say, okay, you've had your fun with the gifts. Let's put those away. Let's move on to something that's going to help you mature now. That's not what he says. That's not what he does. No, you see, God's remedy for misusing the gifts is not their disuse, but their proper use. And so that's what Paul wants. He wants to help them use the gifts, the tools that Christ in his love has given to his church Use them properly so that so the body's built up. So Paul does bring correction, but his correction isn't about the validity of certain gifts, but rather the proper motivation, which is love, and the elevation of gifts that are going to benefit others the most. And this is what we see in verse 1. Let me read verse 1 again. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy. Notice this is a command. 
This is a command. And since Paul was an inspired apostle, this is a command not from Paul, but from the Lord. This is not a suggestion that if you feel so inclined and have the time to spare and the trouble that you can spare, and maybe you, when, once you can wrap, fully wrap your head around how it all works, then think about possibly kind of wanting spiritual gifts. That's not how this is presented. This is a command. Earnestly desire, excuse me, let me back up, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. This is an imperative. This is not optional. If we're going to be faithful to the scriptures and if we believe in the sufficiency and authority of the scriptures, we must hear and seek to obey this command. Notice next how strong this command is. Notice how strong it is. It doesn't just say pursue love and desire the gifts. It says pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. Negatively, this means to boil over with hatred and anger. Positively, it just means to have this deep desire and jealousy for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. You and I are commanded to have this deep burning desire for spiritual gifts, and especially the gift of prophecy. In more modern vernacular, we might say God is telling us to really, really, really want the spiritual gifts. Want it so bad you passionately seek after it. But then Paul adds the superlative, especially that you may prophesy. So really, really want the spiritual gifts and even especially the gift of prophecy. So here, here's how I was challenged this week. It's not enough to say, I believe in the gifts. It's not enough to say, I believe and I'm open to the gifts. It's not enough to say, I'm, I believe and I'm open and I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo-poo anybody else who gets excited about that. It's not enough. We are commanded to pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, to have a burning desire for spiritual gifts, and even specifically and especially the gift of prophecy. Well, in order for us to have any clue as to how to obey this command, I think, I think we need to ask and answer a few questions. And so that's, how, that's what I want to do for the rem- remainder of our time. I want to ask and answer four questions. Because at the end, I, I want to convince you that this is a command that you are called to obey. And I pray God, by God's spirit that he will put the desire in you to pursue these things. So first, what is the gift of prophecy? What does it mean to prophesy? Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. What does that mean? Well, Wayne Grudem very simply defines it this way. It's speaking forth in merely human words what God spontaneously brings to mind. And this we're going to spend more time unpacking this definition in the weeks to come in 1 Corinthians 14. 
But I'd, here's, the way, here's the way I'd put it a little differently. It's, it's God bringing something to mind in the moment that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of. God plopped it in your mind. The Spirit put it there. That you then go to share with a person or a group of people for their spiritual encouragement and strength. So it's God bringing something to mind that you would not have thought of. He put it there. That you then go and share with someone or with a group of people for their edification and building up. Paul says this, the one who prophesies, he he contrasts tongues is speech to God. Prophecies are speech to people. So it's intelligible messages to people. A couple of weeks ago, um, Autumn Eddy, after worship, came up front and the Lord just put a picture in her mind, she said, and felt like the Lord wanted her her to share just a very brief word of encouragement with the church. And that's how I view prophecy. The Lord put something in her mind and she stepped out and shared it with a group of people, namely us as a church. Now, the gift of prophecy does not add to Scripture, It is not on par with Scripture in terms of authority. It should be judged and evaluated against Scripture to make sure it does not contradict Scripture. All of that is absolutely true. We don't build our lives on thoughts that might plop into our mind. We build our lives on the Word of God, on the Scriptures, on the 66 books of the Bible. Right? We build our lives on this. But the Spirit is with us. He's with us. He's here. He acts and moves and, and leads and guides his people who are open to him. And that's what he wants to do. Number two, why is prophecy particularly desirable? And I would say it's because of its effectiveness in building up the church. Paul states plainly that while tongues, a tongue speaker builds up him or herself... The one who prophesies builds up the church. In fact, tongue speech is is actually forbidden in 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 a corporate gathering like this unless there's interpretation because we are here to see the church built up and not just ourselves. Verse three actually expands this idea of building up the church a little bit more by saying that prophecies do three things. Paul says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And I don't think that's Paul's way of just reiterating the same thing. I think, I think there are, those three things are so important about our understanding of prophecy. Let's just think about those each individually. Upbuilding. The Lord wants to see his people built up, edified, spiritually strengthened. And he wants to build up others through you. This assumes that we have weaknesses, that we have insufficiencies, and need to be built up and strengthened. So the idea is to be spiritually strong or strengthened and to promote mature faith and growth and sanctification through the gift of prophecy. And that's what it's for. It's to encourage our faith. It's to promote the growth of our sanctification in Christ 
and to make us stronger in him. Encouragement. This is amazing. The Lord wants his people to be encouraged. Not to walk around discouraged and despondent and despairing and depressed. To encourage is the act of giving courage or confidence of success to those who are fearful and anxious and distressed and depressed and so forth. Now, I don't know about you. I mean, I I think I'm generally a fairly encouraged person. But I don't think I'm too encouraged. Like, I just can't handle any more encouragement. Just leave me alone. Are you too encouraged? I mean, is your cup just too full of encouragement? If it is, then you would not want to receive a prophetic word from somebody. But if it's not, then this gift would be a great benefit to you. And you could be a great benefit to somebody else. The gift of prophecy is given for, for, fearful, anxious, and dis, for the fearful and anxious and discouraged to receive courage and confidence in the Lord. And consolation, this, this word, it's amazing. It means to comfort the wounded, alleviate the grieving, refresh the weary. Isn't that what we, isn't that what we need? I mean, isn't that what we need when we're wounded to be refreshed? comforted when we're grieving to have someone come alongside and bring alleviation of our grief. Twice in John 11, when Martha and Mary's brother Lazarus died, it says that some from the community came to console them. And that's what the gift of prophecy is for. When those who are in anguish need encouragement and consolation, the gift of prophecy is to bring help in this way. I would, bring, I would add one more thing as to why the gift of prophecy is particularly desirable. And, and it is this. This gift can give a uniquely strong sense of the Lord's presence among us. And I, tell you, I get this from later in chapter 14, verses 24 and 25, when Paul says this. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider comes in. It says he's convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling down, he worships God and says this, God is truly among you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, isn't that what we long for? The presence of God to be so powerful that everyone hears like God is surely in this place. We don't live by feelings, right? We, we believe that God is with us because his word says he's with us. Oh, but I love experiencing the sweet presence of the Lord. And if this gift is particularly, if it has a, um, a potency to help us encounter the presence of the present Lord with us, then I want it more and more among us. Number three, what about this? Is this command for everyone? Surely not. Surely it's just for certain people, right? To earnestly desire spiritual gifts and especially the gift of prophecy. 
I think it is for everyone. I think it's a command for every single Christian. This is to land on each one of us as a command from the Lord. It's not commanded just to an elite group of people. All are to desire this gift. I don't think that means that all will actually prophesy. Verse one, but verse one does not say, or excuse me, verse one does not say pursue love and prophesy. It says pursue love and earnestly desire to prophesy. So though I think that the potential is there for, for every, per, every Christian to prophesy, not necessarily everyone will. Look at what Paul says in verse 5. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you all to prophesy. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, the words even more, it's the same Greek word as, that's translated especially in verse 1. I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you to prophesy. So there's no prohibition as to who should desire and seek this gift. And Paul's desire that all do, in fact, prophesy. It seems clear to me that this command in verse 1 is a command for every follower of Jesus to obey. Which means, if we're not obeying it, we are disobeying not Paul, but the Lord himself. In Acts chapter 2, when the, when the Spirit it was initially poured out, Peter quotes Joel chapter 2 and says this, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old, old men will dream dreams. Even on my male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit, God says, and they will prophesy. In other words, in the last days, which, which is the period of time from the resurrection of Jesus to the second coming of Jesus, in the last days, God is pouring out his spirit indiscriminately upon his people, and they will prophesy. It's amazing. He wants to use us to do this, men and women, old and young, rich and poor. So here's, here's, here's the big question, all right? How, how do we practically seek this? How do we, how do we seek to grow in this? How do, we, how do we seek it today? How do we start seeking this today? Well, I want to give you principles. I don't want to give you a technique. I, 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 in fact, I don't think there is a technique. I, 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 don't think, I don't think I can give you five steps, like do these five things and you too will prophesy. I just don't think it works that way. But I want to give you some principles this morning that I think can help us grow in our desire for it and make us open to how the Spirit may use us to speak words of prophecies, words of prophecy to others. And the first is very simple. It's be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I mean, is there anything you could imagine doing that you want to do without being filled with the Spirit? Anything at all. 
whether it's going to work for the day or taking care of children and changing diapers and that sort of stuff, whatever it is, do you want to do anything apart from the Spirit's filling and empowerment and help? So the first thing is to be filled with the Spirit and continue to be filled with the Spirit. It's the most important thing you can do each day is seek to be filled with the Spirit. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, Don't, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and, and it's this present continual tense. It's be filled and keep being filled with the Spirit. And then it says this, speaking to one another. And Psalms, hymn, spiritual songs. So be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. So the first would just be to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and don't say, well, I did that a long time ago, or I remember when I had an experience with the Holy Spirit one time, or, or I believe I received everything at salvation. We are called to be filled and continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So how do we practically seek this gift? First, we just seek the filling of the giver of the gift, the Holy Spirit. Second, give yourself, this might sound strange, give yourself to memorizing scripture. Memor- Wait, I thought, I, thought we're, I thought the Holy Spirit is plopping a thought into my mind that then I share with somebody else. What does that have to do with memorizing scripture? has a lot to do with memorizing scripture. Now, I'm not saying you have to read through the Bible from cover to cover or memorize 100 or 50 or a certain number of verses before God can use you in this way. But taking God's word seriously and having a handle on biblical truth will enable you to more wisely and faithfully discern a thought that may come into your mind. Amen? Is this from the Lord or is this just from dinner? Is this from the Lord or is this because of the commercial I just watched on television? Is this from the Lord or is, or is this just me? I remember once hearing uh, a guy named Sam Storms who pastors a church down in Oklahoma. And he gave, and I'll never forget this. So, so I, I kind of stole this from him, I suppose. But I mean, it's a little different. But he said, if you want to grow in this gift, he said, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but he said for six months or something like that, read through the Proverbs over and over again. Right? Just take a proverb a day for six months. You'll get through it every month for six months. And that will help, that will help give you a store of wisdom and discernment so that you begin to discern the thoughts that come to your mind. Right? We're, we're told to do that. Take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. So when we have a grasp on scripture, on biblical truth, on good doctrine, then we can be discerning about the, the things that the Spirit may be putting into our minds or, or just the thoughts that are passing through our minds from other sources. So give yourself to memorizing scripture. And I am serious. Give yourself to memorizing scripture. I have a little notebook card. I'm always adding other verses to it. I 
I have it in my car. I carry it everywhere I go. It's, it's scriptures I'm working on memorizing or I've memorized or I'm working on memorizing. I'm serious. Give yourself to serious scripture memorization. You will be a more faithful and wise and discerning speaker of prophecies if you do. Number three, ask the Lord for words of prophecy that will build up and encourage and console. Ask him. Ask him. On your way to church on Sunday morning, say, Lord, I would like to encourage someone today. I would like to speak a word that that consoles someone who is wounded today. Lord, I would like to speak a word that is going to strengthen the faith of a dear brother or sister today. Ask him. When I prepare to preach, after I've done preparation, certainly while I'm doing it as well, but after I've done preparation, I got my, my notes, I have a general idea, of, pretty good idea of where I'm going to go. I often ask the Lord, Lord, I pray. I ask you to give me something this morning, on a Sunday morning. Give me something that's outside of my, my notes that might encourage someone that might build somebody up, just something unexpected that might penetrate their hearts and let them know that God sees them and knows them and is there for them and is for them. Number four, be willing to take a risk. This is something we want to grow in. Anytime that you grow in something that's new, it requires taking a risk, stepping out and taking a risk. And so we ask the Lord, Lord, would you give me something? And, and, from time, and sometimes we think, I think the Lord maybe has put this person on my mind and maybe a thought to share with them, to encourage them. Well, good intentions only take you so far, right? So we've got to step out in faith and share what we feel like the Lord has put on our minds and hearts for somebody to encourage them. So be willing to take a risk. I, I want this to be a place where we encourage that and wisely encourage you to step out and take a risk even if you, even if you fall flat, right? I want this to be a place where we're growing in this together. And number five, this is so important. If you feel God has given you something for someone to share with them, Here's what we must do. We humbly offer it as a gift. We don't thrust it at them as a demand. We offer it as a gift. We offer it as a gift. I remember probably four or five years ago now, I was preaching a message, and and I said something about, something to the effect of, Someone here may struggle with anxiety to the point where you cannot breathe. And I can't remember the encouragement I gave, I, I gave along with that. But I had someone come to me after church and say, I had a panic attack last night. I was so anxious I couldn't breathe. How did you know that? I said, I didn't know that. I think the Lord wanted to give you a gift. 
And that's how I presented it to her. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to, yes, and you need to. No, it was a gift from the Lord. The Lord wanted her to know that her pain and the things that are causing her anxiety, he sees, he knows, he cares about. It was a gift from the Lord for her. So, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, especially the gift of prophecy so that you can be used, you and I can be used to spiritually strengthen and encourage and console the body of Christ, people, the brothers and sisters that we love so dearly that the Spirit of God would show himself through you in this way. We all understand the way of love is the most excellent way. It is. So let's pursue love. And in our pursuit of love, let's seek the gifts that are going to build up the most. And Paul highlights in these verses the gift of prophecy, this amazing love gift from our gracious Savior, through the Holy Spirit, to build up the church for his glory. Let's pray.